Welcome to Dose of Support, a podcast for healthcare professionals to preserve stories and provide a dose of support to each other through community and shared experiences. We're going to share successful and sometimes not successful self-care methods. And I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a professional just like you. Remember, I'm hosting this podcast, but I'm not your healthcare provider, and my guests aren't here to provide healthcare advice either. But we do encourage you to seek out care from your own healthcare professional. And although we're sharing stories from healthcare, I intend to fully adhere to HIPAA and protect privacy. And remember, this podcast is not related to any employer. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned, everyone. Welcome back, self-care squad. Let's huddle up and give a big, happy respiratory therapy week, which started on October 25th. But this is the week to thank your friendly neighborhood respiratory therapists for teaching you all that they know, helping you do your job, and teaching our patients how to breathe better. And so I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you get more than a pizza party. You definitely deserve it. And as a throwback to last week, last week was pharmacy week. So happy pharmacist week and pharmacy week from last week. And in effort to show my true interdisciplinary approach to this podcast. I am having a farm tech who's becoming a pharmacist on the show this week. And so happy belated pharmacy week. Last week, I did say that there would be an important announcement. And to give you a little snippet, Um, Next week, I'm going to talk way more about this, but in short, my episodes are going to be shorter. My goal is for this to be easy for you guys to listen to, to really hear some good stories and to really get some interesting self-care ideas. And I want this to be easy where you can, you know, throw it on when you get in the car, when you are taking a shower when you're cooking dinner you you know it's uh, my goal is to be 20 to 30 minutes for each episode now i have pre-recorded a lot of other episodes that are longer than that so i'll be working hard to make this more accessible easy for you to listen to and to share with a friend because i want it to be easy for you i want this to be something for you. And so that's part of my announcement and you'll have to wait for my special election episode for the rest. So I hope you enjoy this fun talk I had with David and have a great week. Welcome to Dose of Support. We hear from the whole team and find self-care in healthcare each week. Now, this podcasting thing has been a journey, and along the way, I have met some really awesome people, like David Dent, who is on the show today to give us the pharmacy technician and what it's like to be a PharmD student perspective. And he has been like in my corner since I started this podcast. And finally, he gets to be on as a guest. So welcome, David. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show, Vanessa. And I'm always happy to help you with any um, any sort of social media tips, if I can do them myself. And if I don't know them, I'm asking you because you're my next best go-to person for that. So I've been grateful to have you as a support and 
for everything else. First of all, why are you laughing? Second of all, you guys, hashtag elder millennial over here. (laughs) I got onto Instagram July 1st, our first episode dropped of 2020. And David, like- You've been killing it ever since. David was like, oh, hey, I'm a podcaster too. I'll share your shit. I'll help you out. And I- (laughs) I didn't know how to do tons of stuff. And he's like, oh, he just sends me instructions. Like, um, I didn't take a class. I don't, I have no idea. I know how to like prescribe medications and. And I know how to fill them almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So David, tell us just a little bit about why you're going to be a pharmacist here soon. Okay. So thank you for the introduction. I'd be happy to. Why I started to go into pharmacy kind of looks, I think, pretty different from most of my peers and that usually you have somebody that you know works in pharmacy and they're telling you all the great things about it. Um, I didn't really have any sort of exposure to pharmacy besides a career quiz that I took when I was 12 years old. I thought pharmacists only count pills, which I've come to realize is totally wrong. And part of like one of my bigger messages that I'm trying to spread now. Do all pharmacists start out as farm techs or is it like a farm tech is its own thing? So pharmacists, a lot of them, a lot of students as pharmacy students don't necessarily, you don't have to have any sort of pharmacy tech experience to get into pharmacy school and not Pharmacists aren't required by any means to have a certain number of pharmacist tech hours. Um, I know some people that didn't work as a technician before they got into pharmacy school. For me, that's I can't wrap my head around that because I I think how do you not test to see this is if this is the career for you? Um, every state's different for the requirements. I know in Virginia, um, it used to be you could work nine months without a uh, pharmacy technician license, and then you could take the test, and then you could continue practicing. You know, you could be working as a technician without any formal training and you're kind of getting on the job training. And really? one, yes. So isn't that crazy? Isn't that kind of scary to think about? That's scary to think about. I wonder, that's very interesting that nationally it's not like people take the same exam, but. It's not necessarily like state by state. Yeah, state by state mandated. Yeah, your hairdresser needs a, a certificate and a license to practice. And that was like the reasoning that they used to justify why like all pharmacy technicians in Virginia should have that. Because if your hairdresser has a certificate and training, why wouldn't somebody dealing with your life-changing medications have that? <laughs> so good and bad thing. Makes it less accessible, but it's, you know, hopefully you have a more trained technician. So it's it's advantageous to get some training and get some experience, take the test, feel good about See if it. See you like it. Yeah. See if you like it, especially if you're going to pharmacy school. Okay. And so then you're like, okay, this is step one and you're working as a farm tech. And um, what's a day in the life like for someone who's a pharmacy technician? Cool. So day in the life pharmacy technician um, really revolves around um, getting as many prescriptions filled as possible, at least on the technician side. So you'll, you'll input a patient's prescription um, you'll be going through adjudications, which are just, you know, backstops from insurance or um, alerts that the system provides you or some sort of billing. And then you have to call the insurance company to get through that. Um, there's dispensing where you're counting people's medications. Um, you're obviously packaging them up for packaging them up for them. Um, and then you're handing that off to a pharmacist who has to verify it, look at the patient's med history and other medications, making sure they don't interact. Um, and then you're providing great customer service by 
um, giving it to them when they arrive. And it's, it's all, it's all done under a huge rush and a lot of pressure from, um, up top to get as many scripts as possible, to get as many flu shots as possible. A lot of people don't know that pharmacists give vaccinations, but do pharmacy techs give vaccinations? So there are, there's a lot of new programs that offer specialized training, um, higher up training to technicians where I think there are some programs that allow technicians to give immunizations. So they're trying to find ways to up the technical skills of technicians. So they, one, pay less for, you know, some of the same quality work as a pharmacist, just from like a uh, business standpoint. But two, it just helps free up the pharmacist to do like medication management and other, just other higher end things that are reflective of their education rather than just reading, you know, things off of the bottle. Very good. So a lot, it sounds like between a pharmacist and a pharmacy technician, there are a lot of tasks that overlap, like a lot of what you do can be the same, but there is higher level responsibility with a pharmacist and the pharmacist ultimately verifies the work of the pharmacy technician. Am I understanding that right? That's that's totally correct. And I mean, a pharmacist will go through, you know, four years of postgraduate training, similar to other doctors, similar to other professionals. There's a huge difference in the educational requirements of a pharmacist and a pharmacy technician. Right. Um, and of course, the level of uh, drug knowledge that goes into it. But yeah, that's as, as far as like a, as far as tasks go, there is there is quite a bit of overlap. And a pharmacist is expected to do a lot of technician work, especially in places where there's less pharmacist to pharmacy tech ratios. So there's so a lot like, of overlap. I feel like it's going to better prepare you when you're out practicing as a pharmacist when you're done oh by far yeah no i'm gonna know exactly the struggles and the things that are challenging for technicians and i can it'll definitely help me relate to them on another level but it also might prepare you for what you go through in school and what real life is going to be like when you're done with school so i i always tell people like try it before you buy it (laughs) (laughs) especially with something that is going to be your lifelong career (laughs) it seems like sound advice Potentially a hundred k in student loan debt. Yeah, am I, am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, David is gonna tell us a story from practice and how he takes care of himself. So you guys stay tuned. a nice break wasn't it David loved it loved every minute of it (laughs) took a minute for self-care yep exactly and we're back with David Dent who is a pharmacy technician and are you a third year I am in my third year pharmacy student so he's also going to be Dr. Dent Mm -hmm. and so you are going through all sorts of like didactic coursework and clinical coursework and you're working and you have an experience to share with us. So please take it away. So this was probably the most intense, um, high stakes situation I've ever been in as a pharmacy student. And this happened actually this last summer um, on my IPPE rotation. So your first year, your intro pharmacy practice experience, that's what IPPE stands for. Um, You're in community 
community pharmacy. So that is at your Walgreens, your CVS. In your second year, they put you in a hospital environment. So you can kind of see like what the pharmacist does in that sort of environment. And on my, it was my second week, I was shadowing the ED pharmacist who was incredible. And my experience down there was just, uh, I don't know, it was, it was, it was high paced and it was quick, but long story short, um, this, there was a man, he came in to the ED, um, probably having some sort of cardiac, um, like pulmonary embolism sort of thing. Um, they stabilized him, they got him back. Um, and I heard a story from one of the nurses. They were saying one of the rooms was cursed. And I was like, okay, why are we bringing that up? This seems kind of superstitious. <laughs> um, and what happened was the nurse that was, um, treating the gentleman, I think she had stepped out for, for some food or something. It was like very quick. Um, I just hear there's a code happening in this room. Turns out it's the same room that they were talking about and all hands go on deck. What I was expecting was chaos, but it was very organized, very efficient. Um, the doc was throwing N95s out to everyone saying, I need you in this room, I need you in this room, I need you in this room. And I'm the student there thinking, let me just get out of the way while they figure this out. But I also don't oh, want to no. miss anything. They start chest compressions. It's not what you see and it's not what you expect. Like when you watch Grey's Anatomy or something where there's like some heroic music in the background, there's, it was just very raw, very real, very visceral. And I was, you know, it was humbling to say the least. Um, I'm standing outside the room. They see me out there. Um, earlier, they were reluctant to give up any of their PPE, especially for someone who didn't need to be in the room. Um, but I hear pharmacy boy, pharmacy boy. And I'm like, I think they're talking about me. I'm pharmacy boy. Um, <laughs> perfect. Um, they're like, get in here. Your preceptor wants you in here. And I was like, okay, cool. And then they're like, go get an N95 from the desk. I was like, cool. I still have the N95. It's in my backpack. I wear it all the time. It's like a little badge of honor. But anyway, threw that on and get in there and they're doing chest compressions. He's explaining to me what they're doing. He's pulling up meds to administer, um, for the next time they take a break from CPR, the patient has a non-shockable pulse. He's explaining to me that that basically means this is the odds of survival are very low. I overhear one of the nurses say that the um, that there are significant others on the way. And as I'm standing there, I'm BLS trained. I'm CPR trained. I shouldn't. I I'm very capable of doing it. And I I really wanted to get my feet wet. Um, and they they pause compressions. They say, Hey, do you want to do compressions? I think about it, and I'm. I like pause, I think to myself, would I want to see if I was the loved one coming in, seeing a student doing compressions on my, you know, my hubby? I thought, probably not. Uh, maybe this isn't your time to shine. They hadn't gotten COVID results back. Um, so I was also like, hmm, maybe I'd be like, no, I just said no. <laughs> um, but I really appreciated the offer. And a small part of me regrets not being able to do it um, because I think everybody should have that experience to feel what the what that feels like um, and to be prepared for it. My preceptor, he said, no worries, no problem. We went out, we debriefed, and he just said, I think it's extremely important, especially for you to get that experience and to, to have sort of that underneath your belt before, hey, you go onto residency, you arrive at your first code and you don't know what's going on. Um, so I was very grateful for the experience. It was definitely, I, I was like amped up afterwards. I had the whole fight or flight thing going and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it just happened. Um, but 
it was it was just incredible to see everybody come together and it worked and unfortunately the nurse had the nurse who was taking care of them walked back and was like oh my god like they were just they were just fine like a second ago and she literally stepped out for like a minute but it was just it was crazy to see even that minute of just stepping away can lead to somebody like and it's not even on the nurse's fault but just like things happen so fast in the ed it is insane and it was that's also why nurses like don't take breaks that exactly historically don't take breaks and don't go to the bathroom and don't go to eat something because they literally are keeping people alive and it's not it's not the physicians doing that (laughs) no i mean it's the life-saving meds and the monitoring i mean they're the eyes on the prize right yeah and so I definitely think that the presence of a nurse saves lives, but when someone comes to the ED, you're right. They don't necessarily know what's going on yet and they're under evaluation and like this person might've been dying for hours before they got there. They just, you know, happened to code at that moment. It is so devastating and traumatic for anyone involved because I mean, obviously you didn't know this person, but no, not at all. When you watch CPR, it is like it's violent. This bot, the the guy was just, uh, I'll never forget that. That's burned into my memory. It's just the rocking, and then I distinctly remember asking the nurse. I, I was like, "Hey, so I heard like you feel the ribs crack," and she's like, "Yeah, it's how you know it's doing it right." I'm like, "Do you usually are you usually the first one on?" She's like, "Oh yeah, I like I'm I'm like I'm not squeamish with that, and there needs to be someone like me in the room." So I, 100 yeah. percent shout out to her and any other any other person who is just quick to start compressions because that's got to be the worst part is that feeling and hearing that you know when you're on a team like that everyone usually knows what part of the team they're on like i was yeah. always the, the drug pusher like i was always like given the epi or you know given the atropine or whatever it was at mm-hmm. the time um i really want to honor what you saw because it sounds like everything went as good as it could exactly it literally the everything went flawlessly like everybody was on it it was it was just so that's what i was most impressed with is like within all this chaos you still have this organization of this of a team that seemed to just like it was any other day it was just routine together and it was a well-oiled machine and what i have always found hard about working in healthcare is you can do everything you can apply the best research give the best drugs you can do all the things and it still sometimes just isn't enough and in the end for a lot of people obviously it isn't enough but um it's really hard when you see this sudden experience where, you know, this guy was just fine and then all of the sudden he's gone. And so it's it's traumatic, but sometimes you just you do everything you can and you give the, you give people the best chance that they can have. Um, but it that doesn't make it any less hard. And so that was that the first death that you had seen? Did you stay the whole time that they That was so that him? was the first death that I'd witnessed in real time. Another the only other death like that cuz in pharmacy you really don't get a lot as a pharmacy technician you really don't get a lot of that experience. You don't get to go up to codes. That's like the pharmacy resident or the pharmacist who who's like covering that area. Um the only other time you see it is um, the only other time I saw it was when I was going to deliver like another another med to um, cardiac cath lab patient had passed 
Um, and they, they told me at the desk, they're like, do you want to go in there? Like someone just passed again. I, I kind of had the choice of, to choose like, Oh, I can take, you know, I can take the pharmacy way out and never have to experience it firsthand. But I kind of wanted to see like what that would feel like, because I think, I think it's all too easy, especially when you're working as an inpatient technician to see an order. It says stat on the bottom. All of them say stat because sometimes orders get behind and you kind of just get desensitized to it. Like a patient, a patient's life is reduced to a piece of paper that prints out on a printer and you are a cog in a machine that is meant to get the medication, send it up. But I wanted to feel like what, what, you know, other, other healthcare workers experience on a day to day. So I walked in, um, they had a sheet pulled over them and I, it, it was just, you could hear a pin drop and my stomach was just dropped. I was like, this is, this is the saddest thing I've ever seen. So I go over, I refill the machine and I'm, I feel just, I feel embarrassed cause I'm making, I'm feeling like I'm violating the space of the room, um, yeah. by making too much noise, but I, it was just, it was heavy to see. And it was a good reminder to like, to me and to tell other people, at least in my work is like, if you see a med order, like just sitting there, just know that like you consciously, if you consciously see that and don't act, you may be, I mean, you might be holding the difference between a patient's life. And that, that patients are people, you exactly. know, exactly. Like, no, they really day, are. It's, it's people like you and me and people we love, they're people. And, um, I think for me, that's, that's actually been one of the harder parts when I, I can't desensitize myself from the situation. Yeah. You take it home. Yeah. And I suppose that, you know, I guess when you completely are desensitized that that's when you need to leave healthcare, but Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that I haven't and that I've found ways to cope. So speaking of that, um, good transition as as another podcaster, amazing transition. <laughs> self care. We we really want to highlight self care here. I say it every episode. Um, so what do you do to take care of yourself? I think the biggest, the most common thing that I do to take care of myself, I. I preach a lot about self-care. I think it's extremely important. And I think, I don't think a lot of people realize what that looks like for them. Um, and even, even asking me um, earlier, um, like what I do, it took me a second um, because I think there's a lot of things I do unconsciously. So one thing that I do is I'll, if I'm feeling myself kind of dragging on studying, or if I feel like myself kind of just, just kind of getting just a little discouraged at going any further, I'll check that I'll note that and then I'll take like a quick 15 20 minute break to play video games it's something that always kind of brought me a little bit of relaxation as a kid um and I still do it a lot as an adult as well uh just because it turns out I need a lot of self-care during quarantine but video games bring you solace a lot of people would like to have that like turn off the world and it's exactly what I use it for um And you had mentioned earlier about some struggles with mental health. And so I, I don't know the specifics of that and you don't have to get into it, but I'm wondering if other people are listening out there and they're in a deep, dark place. We're in a fucking pandemic. We haven't had the best political. This is the time for, this is the best time for a mental health breakdown. You know, if you're out there and you're on the brink of a breakdown, like it's not unexpected. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What what did you do to help yourself during that time? So that I'm I'm more than happy to talk about. I'm a huge advocate for mental health and for getting the help that you need because for me, first recommendation, anybody going through something, if you even suspect that you're experiencing symptoms of depression, go seek help. Go I ended up um 
signing up with encouragement of um, some friends. Eventually, I came around to um, signing up for group therapy. Started on like a super low dose of Lexapro. Uh, the first few weeks on that were very challenging. And the side effects, you really got to power through because eventually I did start getting better. Like I noticed that my mood felt a little bit better in the morning. I could get up out of bed a little bit better. You you find out what's important to you. You find out what's you talk through it with therapists and you you kind of figure out ways and to spot when you're having negative self-talk and then ways to be a little bit more forgiving to yourself. I feel so much better. I feel just, I mean, even, even in a pandemic when things are going down, downhill or seem negative on the surface, I have the cognitive behavioral therapy that helps me stay away from getting into that sort of hole that I was in my first year. So I can't recommend therapy enough and actually sticking with it. Yeah, and to be fair to the folks listening, I think that access to therapy services oh is is a huge problem. So I think that we both understand that talking about that as a resource and as something to use is a barrier for some people and that we are coming from a place of privilege. So I just want to acknowledge that. And um, there are other resources out there. Maybe going through a social worker to locate that would be the best if you're not sure if you could afford therapy or if your insurance would cover it. But um, it's been mentioned on the show before, and it's certainly an important an important part of self-care. Um, it sounds like you have a few things in your back pocket that can help you get through even the hard times. Definitely. That and podcasting and trying to raise awareness about the pharmacy profession, which in, merits my you know, passion for. Yeah. So. I, w- I was talking to somebody else and they were like, you need to have like your work life and your home life and a creative life. I and fully agree with that. David. Thank you so much for being here. If people are like, oh my gosh, I need to be besties with David Dent, how do they do that? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would love any and all new besties. I am, um, <laughs> I, the best way they can do that um, is following me and messaging me on my Instagram. It's at overx.dose. Um, and that's where you finally find me most active. Um, one of the most rewarding things since starting that is I've been able to like talk with other people who are going through similar situations um, and kind of just, I'm, I'm providing no professional help whatsoever, but I am, I'm at least sharing my experience and trying to make it so you guys know it's, you're going through something similar. So there's some solidarity, but that's the best, best, best place that you can reach me at. Awesome. Well, the listeners know what to do. If they want to find me, I'm at Dose of Support on Instagram, Facebook, on my website, and you can email us at hello at doseofsupport.com. And if you love the show, please give me a rating or a review. Tell a friend about the show. In fact, really word of mouth is one of the only ways to get advertisement for a podcast like I can't even not that I'm like loaded but I can't even go and buy ads to make my podcast get out there like there isn't a way um so my goal with this is to reach people so that they can hear important messages like the one that David just gave to us so thanks again David for being here this week thank you so much for having me I would I love everything you're doing and I wish you the best thank you and listeners thanks for being here this week too I will be back in your ears next Wednesday stories matter and now we've captured another one We'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a whole different story. 
Until then, make connections and give each other a dose of support. Dose of Support is written, produced, edited, everything by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by Rafael Sequeira. Don't forget to rate the show or leave feedback wherever you listen. I'm punching out until next week, where we try to find some self-care in healthcare once again. Oh,